The reading today is taken from the book of Psalms and it's chapter 91. Psalm chapter 91. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the foulest snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say, the Lord is my refuge, and you make the Most High your dwelling, no harm will overtake you, no disaster will come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra, you will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honour him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Good morning, my name is Becca Fairley and today we are going to be looking at Psalm 91 together. And I'm just gonna pray for us as we start. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we just ask now that you come and you speak to us by your Holy Spirit. Help us to hear what it is you would like to say to us today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Many years ago, uh, when I was taking my A-levels, I took English as one of my options. Wasn't great at it, if I'm being honest. Uh, the thing I struggled most with was poetry. I really struggled to find a way into this seemingly abstract combination of words and sentences. And a friend gave me some advice. They said, when you read a poem, the thing to do is to make a note of how it makes you feel. What emotions does it evoke? And so our, my question for us today is, as Psalm 91 was just read and you heard it, what feelings bubbled up for you, if any? What emotions did Psalm 91 evoke? I asked a bunch of willing guinea pigs, otherwise known as my home group, uh, this question, I sent them a message on our WhatsApp group and I said it would be so helpful if you could read through Psalm 91 and then text me back any brief thoughts or emotions that it evoked. Uh, one of the reasons I love living in Cambridge is because when you ask people to send you a brief few thoughts, they often send far more, which is wonderful. Uh, but what was amazing was that most people sent back similar things. For them, this psalm evoked feelings of peace, of security, a sense of safety and being protected. 
One woman who gave me permission to share this said that as a child, she grew up in Beirut. And when, in her words, things kicked off in the evening, her whole family would drag their mattresses into the central corridor of their house. And as they lay there in what was presumably an incredibly stressful situation, her mother would read Psalm 91 out loud over the family as a way of reminding them of God's protection and care. And maybe these are some of the things that resonate with you when you heard Psalm 91 read. Feelings of peace, safety, security. Which is interesting because when you actually look at Psalm 91 and the words and the situations that are being described by the psalmist in it, they are actually not very restful or peaceful at all. Many scholars think that this psalm was written by someone who was about to go to war. He was on the eve of battle. And you can hear that in his language, can't you? You can hear the fear. You can, he writes about terrors of night. He writes about arrows flying by day. There are wild animals. There are enemies. There's a deadly pestilence. There's mass death and destruction. These are not peaceful things that he is describing. He is not finding himself in a peaceful situation. And yet, what is amazing about this psalm is that somehow this psalmist has managed to find peace in a time of uncertainty and stress and anxiety. And so my question for us to consider today is simply this. How did this psalmist find peace? in the middle of troubled times? How can we today find peace in the middle of troubled times? And really, I just want us to look at two things that the psalmist does. First of all, the psalmist reminds himself about who God is, God's character. And then the psalmist is very intentional about where he chooses to look. So he focuses on who God is and he chooses where to look. Who God is. One of the things that has been amazing in the past few weeks and months is the plethora of good news stories that have been popping up all over the place. Maybe you've noticed them. Things like people singing on balconies, communities rallying together, Captain or I think it's Colonel Tom raising millions for the NHS. And it's not that the people reporting these stories are in any way denying the reality of what's going on and some of the awful things that are going on at the minute. But I think what they're doing in by reporting these good news stories is giving us a broader picture, a more truthful landscape, if you will, of what's actually happening at the minute. Yes, there is an awful lot of bad stuff happening, but there is an awful lot of good news as well. And really, that's what the psalmist is choosing to do here in this psalm. Although he is facing an incredibly terrifying situation, he's choosing to focus on the good news. And the good news is that God's character, who God is, does not change no matter what we are facing. And we're just going to look at one of the characteristics that the psalmist chooses to focus on of God. And it's found in verse 4. The psalmist writes this, He, God, will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. 
What's the psalmist wanting to tell us about God through this picture? Well, I think the first thing he's wanting to tell us is that this is a picture of comfort in a time of terror and uncertainty. The one thing about chicks and their mother is if the weather's nice, if they're in a safe enclosure, if there's no threat to the chicks, the chicks will be off. They'll be exploring, they'll be finding food, they'll be a little bit away from their mother. But the moment the weather starts to change, maybe the wind whips up, the rain starts to fall, maybe out of the corner of their eye they sense a threat from a predator, that is the moment that the chicks flee to their mother for safety and protection. And that is what this psalmist is wanting to tell us, that God is a God who offers us comfort and protection precisely in those moments when life seems uncertain and scary. The second thing I think that this picture of God reminds us of, and I've got Tim Keller to thank for this, is this is a picture which speaks of the self-sacrificial love of God. You see, by allowing the chicks to come under her wings or in some breeds actually under her body, the mother bird is essentially protecting them with her life. Who is going to get attacked first in that scenario? Say a predator comes along, it's gonna be the mother bird. If it starts to rain or there's inclement weather, who's going to be affected first by that? It's the mother bird. The mother bird is demonstrating her care for her chicks by putting herself in between the chicks and the danger that they face. And this image speaks of God's self-sacrificial love for us. You see, on the cross, God demonstrated just how much he loves us. Jesus received the punishment that we were due so that we never needed to experience pain and suffering and think, oh goodness, is God in some way punishing me for something I have done wrong? The cross says a resounding no to that theology. Jesus was the only one who ever needed to cry, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus on the cross was forsaken so that we never need to be. Because of the self-sacrificial love of God on the cross, we never need to go through suffering and pain alone. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us, no matter what we are experiencing. Nothing can separate us from God's love. The Hebrew word used in verse four of refuge, under his wings you will find refuge, can also be translated trust. And we can trust God no matter what we are facing because he has already shown us how much he loves us through his death on the cross. I occasionally get emails from a charity uh, called Open Doors. They're an organisation which works with persecuted Christians around the world. And recently they sent me an email telling me the story of a young girl who lives in Central Asia for her own protection, they changed her name to Hilda. And they explained how Hilda was a Muslim girl and one day a friend shared with her the love of Jesus Christ. And this girl was so touched that she became a Christian. She entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And the moment her family found out, they beat her and they threw her out from the family home. And the church rallied round 
and gave her a job and she now leads a home group. And for Hilda and millions like her around the world, suffering uh, in the, for the name of Jesus is an incredibly real experience that, they, that happens to them on a daily basis. But Hilda, in response to all the suffering that she experiences, writes this. She said, of course they can arrest us, they can beat us and frighten us, and they do, but they can't take away the love and hope. They can't take away the love and hope. Hilda and the psalmist both recognise that nothing that they go through can separate them from the love of God. He is like a mother bird who offers us comfort and protection in times of hardship and terror and who has demonstrated his self-sacrificial love for us on the cross. So that's the first way that the psalmist is able to find peace in the middle of difficult situations. He reminds himself of the good news. He reminds himself of who God is and God's character never changes. The second thing that the psalmist does is that he changes his perspective. He changes where he looks. I'd like us to imagine the scene for a minute. Um, as I mentioned earlier on, many scholars think that this psalm was written by someone about to go to war. And I'd like us to imagine this, this man, maybe it's the night before battle and he can't sleep and he gets up and he walks to where the battlefield, where the battlefield is, where it will take place in the morning. And as he surveys the scene in his mind's eye, he starts to imagine all the terrors that the morning will bring. Maybe he starts to look around him and think, will there be a pre-dawn attack from the enemy? He imagines being on the battlefield and the arrows flying at him. He imagines his fellow soldiers falling left and right and all this death and destruction around him. He pictures the enemies of God both the human enemies and the spiritual enemies and all their hatred for him and God's people. And as he starts to imagine all these things, something starts to change within him. He starts to feel a heaviness and a weight. His anxiety and his fear, understandably, begins to rise. And at that moment, the psalmist has a choice. He can continue to look out and imagine all that he's got to face in the morning, or he can choose to look elsewhere. He can choose to fix his eyes on the realities of heaven, as it says in Colossians 3. He can, in other words, choose to worship. There are many ways that we can worship. We've just uh, done some sung worship earlier. We can also uh, do spoken worship through liturgy. We can read the scriptures. And really what we're doing when we worship is we are proclaiming, we are declaring truth about who God is and the reality of our situation in the world. And that's precisely what the psalmist does in verse 2. So he declares, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. And what's the result of that declaration? He can then say he is my God in whom I trust. When, we're, when we worship, we're not denying that life can be tough. The psalmist is still facing the terrors and the arrows and potential death, but worship enables us to lift our gaze, to remember that God is still on the throne and that he is worthy and deserving of our trust. 
So what might this look like for us here in the 21st century with all that we are facing? Well, I can't speak for all of you. I can simply tell you about my life at the moment. Uh, so as Monday morning looms large on the horizon, um, a little part of me, or if I'm being honest, quite a large part of me, starts to feel a weight and anxiety. As before me, I face day 7,492, or so it feels like, of homeschooling. I have two children, an eight-year-old and a five-year-old. Let me just say right now that primary school teaching was never a career I considered, uh, nor was any career involving small children, actually. And as I picture my week, as I survey the battlefield, so to speak, I can start to feel quite a few big feelings. I can feel fear. What if I'm messing this up? What if my children will never understand fractions because of me? What if I lose my temper again? I can start to feel incredible anxiety. How on earth am I going to continue juggling, homeschooling my children with all the other demands on my time? What if this is the week where I simply can't do it and everything falls apart? I start to feel immense feelings of sadness. I'm missing my extended family and my friends. I'm missing school. Let's face it, I'm missing someone else making me a coffee and silence. But as I face my week and I think about these things, these big feelings can become overwhelming. And it might be very different for you. You might not be facing homeschooling, but you might be facing yet another week of self-isolation. Maybe you've been doing this for a long time because you have other underlying health conditions and you're battling loneliness and feelings of despair. Maybe for you, the situation is an economic one and you're thinking, how on earth am I going to get through this economically? Maybe you're mourning or someone you know is incredibly sick and you're so anxious about them. We all feel different things at the minute, but at that moment, the moment where these big feelings start to come at us, like the psalmist, we have a choice. We can choose to lift our gaze to the realities of heaven. I can start and you can start to worship. It might be through a quick prayer. It might be through reading a passage of scripture or even this psalm. It might be listening to worship music. And as we worship, as we lift our gaze to the realities of heaven, we are reminded of the truths about God and we declare them out. God is enough. God cares for me and what I'm going through. God is with me. I do not face this alone. God is my refuge and my fortress. And as we worship, our gaze is lifted. And what happens is our souls and our spirits are lifted too. Our weeks and our days on one level do not change, and yet we are given through worship a new perspective. And as a result of that, we're given peace. And it's precisely with that new perspective that the psalmist now is able to look over his day with different eyes. So he starts the psalm by worshipping in verse 2. And then as he thinks about the terrors of the night and the arrows of the day, his heavenly perspective reminds him that he does not need to fear them. As he thinks about the coming death and destruction, his heavenly perspective tells him that it will not come near him, that he is safe. 
by fixing his eyes on the realities of heaven, the psalmist is reminded of all the heavenly resources given to those who make the Most High their dwelling, angels and spiritual protection and God's care. He is given peace. Now, a quick point to note as we finish. It's good to note that this psalm is not some sort of spiritual charm or a quick fix solution. Christians are not immune from suffering and death. As you look through the scriptures, we see time after time, godly men and women often suffering precisely because they are believers. And as we looked at earlier, Hilda is an example of a woman who's suffering today because of her faith. The promise of this psalm is that no matter what we are facing, we are safe in God's care. But safety is not the same as free from suffering. That was how Satan tried to tempt Jesus in the wilderness in Luke chapter 4. Do you remember Satan used this psalm? He quoted this psalm at Jesus. He dared Jesus to use this psalm as a kind of charm against suffering. Satan said, throw yourself down from the temple because God in Psalm 91 promises to send angels to protect you. And what does Jesus say to this? Jesus says, do not Put the Lord your God to the test. In other words, that is not the way to understand this psalm. It cannot be used as some sort of spiritual charm. This psalm is saying that no matter what we are facing, we are safe in God's care. Take a look with me at the last three verses of this psalm. Here God speaks and God says this, Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honour him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. God is with us no matter what we face. And nothing, not even death, can remove us from the safety of God's care. And ultimately, God will show us his salvation, his deliverance. One day, all the suffering and the sorrow and the terrors that we face will be no more. As C.S. Lewis wrote, life with God is not immunity from difficulties, but peace within difficulties. Life with God is not immunity from difficulties, but peace within difficulties. When we, like the psalmist, choose to remind ourselves of the good news about who God is, and we choose to fix our eyes on the realities of heaven through worship, we are reminded that no matter what we face, God loves us, he is with us, and nothing can take away God's care and protection from us. In other words, we can find peace. I'm going to finish now by praying for us, and I'm going to pray uh, a blessing over us, which is found in Numbers chapter 6. Let's pray. The Lord bless you and keep you. 
The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen.